When I was in college, I thought, I want to graduate with honors. And so that meant I had to go write a thesis. And I studied medieval European history in college. Don't recommend it. It was interesting. Uh, so I did my thesis on some aspect of St. Augustine. But I did one thing uh, smart, and I went to the head of the history department at Harvard, Professor James Hankins, and I said, would you uh, advise my thesis? And he said, actually, nobody asks me. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Now, that was smart because if the head of the department signs off on your thesis, who's going to argue, right? And uh, so how could I fail? Well, I almost did fail. Because a week before the thesis was due, I had come to a complete standstill. I had the writer's block. Uh, I could not see my way forward. And although it was, I wasn't a guy who gave up, I wasn't used to failing, I, I just gave up. And I remember printing out all the, everything I had. It was a stack of pages, but it wasn't complete. And I printed it all out, and I stuffed it in my backpack, and I rode my bicycle to his office, and I came in just defeated. And I put that stack of papers on his desk, and I said, I'm sorry, I know I'm letting you down, but what do I have to do to graduate? I don't care about honors. Just, I got to graduate. What do I have to do? And he showed so much mercy and grace to me in that moment. I, I, I distinctly remember he put his hand on the, on the stack of papers. He looked at me and said, this graduates you. Now just relax. In fact, I don't want you thinking about, talking about, or touching your thesis for three days. That's an order. And, and you, need to, you need to have some fun. You're all wound up. So Dennis Skiotis, the academic head, uh, administrative head, and I are going to take you to dinner tonight. And you need to just relax. And so they did. They took downtown Cambridge, took me to a nice restaurant, and we had a wonderful time. And for three days, I did nothing thesis-related. And then that freed my mind. And I actually, that last week, was able to make it to the finish line. And, on my, and my thesis actually got high honors. Well, that's because the head of the department said it was good, right? <laughs> that was really smart. So I tell you that because we're in a serious called Ascended, in which we're trying to answer the question, where is Jesus today? What's he up to? Today we're talking about his role as intercessor. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he has made a way for us to draw near to God where we can be assured we will find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And who doesn't need that very often in life, right? So this is a super encouraging message this morning. Please turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. Today we're looking at verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Verse 16, underline, highlight, this is a, a wonderful verse that you need to know. Now, the first thing I want to point out here is that Jesus has made it possible for us to draw near to God. 
Think about that. That is a staggering claim that the one who created us, the one who threw the stars into the sky in whom we live and move and have our being, we can draw near to him. And that was not a, possible apart from Jesus Christ. We, draw, we do not draw near to God by the noble eightfold path of Buddhism. We don't draw near to God by worshiping a Hindu god. We don't draw near to God through following the teachings of the prophet Muhammad or Joseph Smith or anyone else. We draw near to God through Jesus Christ, his son. God honors the death of Jesus Christ as payment for our sin. The righteous life of Jesus Christ is credited to our behalf when we repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus. And that makes it possible for the barrier between God and man to go away, that barrier of sin. Just a few chapters later, here's what the, uh, the writer of Hebrews said, chapters, chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus, through his sacrificial death on the cross, has opened the way to draw near to God. Now, those who received this letter were Jews who were very aware that no one could draw near to the throne of grace except the high priest, and even he only once a year. 364 days of the year, nobody was allowed to draw near to the throne of grace. So uh, I have here a layout of the Temple Mount. And just to remind us of prior to Christ, what it was, what it was like, the throne of grace was on top of the Ark of the Covenant, between the golden cherubim, that's where the Shekinah glory of the Lord would appear, and the Ark of the Covenant sat within the Holy of Holies, which, the, which was the innermost room in the temple. Now, if you were a Gentile, you could draw near to God, but only as far as the court of the Gentiles. If you were a Jewish woman, you could come a little closer to the court of the women, but no farther. If you were a Jewish man, you could come a little bit closer into the court of the men, but no farther. If you were a priest, you could come a little farther into the, into the court of the priests. And if you were a priest who'd been chosen that day to uh, do some of the special service inside the holy place, you could actually go into the holy place, which was adjacent to the holy holies, but you could not go behind the curtain. There was a curtain or a veil that hung from the ceiling to the floor and from wall to wall that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, where there was the throne of God. And nobody was allowed behind the veil, or they would be struck dead, except the high priest once a year, and he had to bring the, in a bowl the blood of the lamb that had been slain on behalf of the sins of the people. And so here... These Jews are being told that we can 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. What? How is that possible? Well, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, we are told that at the moment Jesus died, at that precise moment, the curtain separating the holy place from the holy of holies was torn from top to bottom. God made a very physical point to a very a wonderful spiritual truth that the, the barrier between God and man had been taken away because, by Jesus' death. The barrier being sin and the sin penalty had been paid for by his death and his righteousness is ours and we can enter. And so let us hold fast our confession. Why? Because there's no other way to draw near to God except through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So why in the world would you give up your confession? Which means why would you give up your faith in Christ and become anything else? Or, or go back? Because we all want to draw near to God. And it is only possible through Jesus. And praise Jesus for being obedient to the Father's plan, even to the point of death. He sacrificed himself so that we might be able to draw near to God. Well, the second thing that just jumps out at me in this text is the fact that because Jesus is both fully God and fully man, we can be assured of a sympathetic hearing when we draw near. Verse 15 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now the Catholics, many of them pray to saints. And we Protestants don't understand why. Why would you want to pray to a saint when you can talk directly to God himself? And the Son of God is interceding and is sympathetic. Well, I think that one of the, one of the reasons praying, praying to a saint appears uh, attractive to people is, is this idea that, well, you know, the saint was human. Mary was a, ma a mother. Mary is a woman. She, she understands me more, right? And so I'll, I'll pray to the saint, and then the saint will boogie it up to God and then, you know, relay but the, I'm going to get a sympathetic hearing from this, this saint because the saint was, you know, fallible too and weak too and was tempted like I am. But what's the, what's the, the, the author of Hebrews saying? Jesus is all that. Jesus is, is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He, he lived in a human body, a body that was, grew weak and tired. He endured temptation, all the temptations we have endured. Satan uh, tempted him. He was abused. He was betrayed. He was misunderstood. He was on and on. Uh, Jesus lived in the broken world that we live in. He understands what it's like to be human. He understands you. And your weaknesses. He understands your heartaches. He understands your temptations. And so when you, when you draw near to God, 
This is what you're being told. You will get a sympathetic hearing. A few years ago, Sabrina shared how, uh, about her struggles with depression. And after that, people from the church began to come to Sabrina and share their own struggles with depression. Why? Because they were assured a sympathetic hearing. Oh, she's experienced that too. She went through that. And, and that is what the Bible says. When we come with our weaknesses, with our temptations, and we draw near to the Lord in our, in our brokenness, we don't get the big frowny face. Right? We don't get the wagging finger, the, the head shake. No, we get a sympathetic hearing. But it's not just the, yeah, I, I was there and I blew it too. Jesus was without sin, which is wonderful, which means we're going to get help. Because Jesus can say, yes, I've been there. Let me tell you how I submitted to the Father in that situation. Let me tell you how I endured in faith in that situation. I can point the way for you to be an overcomer in that situation. So do you believe that if you draw near to the Lord with your particular weakness, that you're going to be received with sympathy and help? If you don't believe that, you're not going to want to draw near. You're going to think, i got to clean up my life first. Then I'll come to God. But then you leave the greatest resource available to you on the table. Third truth I want to underscore in this text is that those who approach God through Jesus receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When do we need mercy? Every day. <laughs> Every day. But it's, pre it's precisely when we've failed. It's when we deserve punishment. That's when we need mercy. It's, it's when we've sinned. Again. It's precisely when we have sinned and we feel shameful and we feel guilty that we are tempted to run from God, isn't it? That's when we, and we should fear the Lord. In fact, three verses earlier, we read, No creatures hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything and He'll hold us accountable. So it's appropriate to fear the Lord. But, and, and we would, our natural inclination is to run from God when we've sinned. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? As soon as they sinned, and then they heard the Lord coming, they went and they hid themselves in the garden. They were naked and ashamed. Uh, they, they didn't want to, to interact with the Lord because they'd sinned. That's our, that's our natural inclination. And God says, don't give in to that. Actually, you bring your failure to me. You bring your sin to me. Draw near to me when you've blown it. And what are you going to find? You will find 
mercy. So I've counseled multiple Christians who have had an affair. And at some point, they come to their senses. And, and they, are, they are filled with guilt and shame, and they're seeing the destruction in their marriage and the, and the power, the destructive power of their choices in their family. And, and they are heartbroken. One of the first things I tell them is, now you are tempted, right now you're tempted to run away from God because you're full of shame and guilt. Don't do it. Run to God. Because what does he promise you? That if you will draw near to him, you will receive mercy. And you need mercy right now. You need mercy poured all over your life and all over your marriage and all over your family. You need God's mercy all over you. And God promises that if you will draw near in Jesus right now, in your brokenness, in your failure, in your pain, you will get mercy. doesn't matter how far you've run, how long you've run, how many times you've done that. If you draw near to the Lord, you will find mercy. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Amen. And maybe, maybe today that's what you needed to hear. That's why you're here this morning. Is you're, you're running from God in your shame, and he's saying, nope, turn around, draw near to me, precisely in your sin, and you will find mercy. I love the fact that we receive mercy, actually. We receive it. And so you receive something that's held out to you. So it's not even like you have to go to God and, and get all, oh, please, 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 and you beg, that please give me some mercy. And he's like, well, maybe. So keep, you know, keep it up. Okay. No, you come, and the image is he's there holding it out, mercy in Jesus Christ. And you just come and take what's already extended to you. Isn't that awesome? We come and we receive mercy because the mercy is already extended to us in Jesus Christ. But we find grace to help in time of need. So what is grace? Grace has two nuances to its meaning. One is undeserved or unmerited favor, and the other is divine empowerment. So unmerited favor is God being kind to us and gracious to us apart from our deserving it. And then divine empowerment is, you know, he gives us the grace to hold up under the adversity, he gives us the grace to overcome, he gives us the grace to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. And probably every time we read grace, there's a bit of, of both at play, but I think here it's talking you know, predominantly about uh, divine empowerment to help in time of need. Are you ever at a in a time of need? <laughs> yes, very often. And this is this is the this is amazing. God says, when you are in need, draw near to me. You will find grace to help you. Do, the, do promises get any more awesome than that? That is amazing. If you're a Christian, Jesus is your high priest interceding on your behalf so that in your time of need, you may draw near to God, come into, his, into the throne of grace, and he will give you help in your time of need. 
So I went and I just I looked at the agenda of the last two elder meetings that we had, and I just thought I would highlight some of the, here are some things that the elders are praying for. And so this is the elders on, on our behalf as a church, approaching the throne of grace and asking for help in our time of need. So they prayed for volunteers. Lord, please fill our volunteer rosters so that set up and tear down and children's ministries are um, easy. Uh, we've lost a, we're about to lose Siri Owen. She's, she and Isaac are moving, so we need a new children's AA. Lord, would you provide that? And he has already. Praise the Lord. Uh, Wendler. Uh, principal Brendan is moving. He's going to go to Begich, and so we don't know who's going to be the principal of Wendler next year. Uh, there's opportunity and also some fear, right? You know, the principal's attitude to Clearwater Church has a huge influence. And so, Lord, please, would you uh, oversee the hiring so that we get a principal in here who helps Clearwater Church minister uh, in, in even better ways? There have been uh, three people in our church we know who've lost their mother in the last few weeks. And so praying for God to comfort them. Uh, there's a, a grandma getting custody of a couple of her grandchildren. And uh, she has a one-bedroom place. And so, Lord, she needs, she needs a bigger home. And she needs more resources to take care of these kids. There, there are um, physical health issues. And so we pray for healing. Uh, somebody who's having a hard time finding a job, Lord, help them find a job. Uh, somebody whose father is getting old and they wrote him a letter and sent him a book trying and wants them to come to Christ at the last part of their life. And so praying that their heart would open. Uh, there's been um, a couple that broke up and the, and the heartache that they have and uh, for marriages that are in, in um, crisis that the Lord would bring about comfort and healing, restoration. Uh, simple things like the home repairs that are way beyond expectation and earthquake damage and wisdom for uh, planning ministry, on and on. And so this, is, this, should, this, should, this should be happening in all of our lives and all of our families we have need, right? We all have tons of needs. And, and God says, bring them to me. I can handle them. That is your, part of your inheritance as a Christian. You have access to me at all times. Bring, bring your failures to me. Bring your needs to me. And you're going to find mercy and grace to help you. That's awesome. We do, not, uh, we do not want to leave that resource on the table. We do not want to go through life without taking advantage of this. And so, you know, to, to underscore, here's the big takeaway. With confidence, draw near to God every day through prayer. And it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace so that when you draw near to God, you receive what you don't deserve and you, des you receive help and mercy and it's God just saying, with his arms out saying, come, I'm your heavenly father. Come, draw near to me and you're going to get good things. I've shared this a few times before, but I, I'll share it again because it, it was so revolutionary in my own spiritual life. I was about 17 years old and up until then... 
uh, my prayers, I felt like my prayers were heard or not heard depending on my performance as a Christian. Had I read my Bible and helped little old ladies across the street that day, and if I did, then I was sure my prayers were heard. But if I had not been performing well, I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. Underlying assumption, I can draw near to God when I'm a good boy, but when I'm not a good boy, he's not really interested in hanging out with me. And then uh, I came to understand that I can draw near to the Lord 24-7 every day of my life, no matter how I was performing, because my sins had been washed away as far as the east is from the west. They are remembered no more. Jesus had paid for them on the cross. And the righteousness of Christ had been credited to my account. I was clothed in the righteousness of Christ so that I could draw near to God. Always I could come right into the very throne room of God and be confident that I would be accepted and heard. And that was such a liberating truth. In fact, that calmed my spiritual life. And, and uh, it just was one of the most important spiritual truths I've ever um, grabbed a hold of. And so for many years, I would, I would pray like this. I, I would start my prayers. I would kind of quiet myself. I said, Lord, I am coming right now into your presence. I am drawing near to your throne. Not because I'm good enough. I know that I am not worthy to come into your presence. But Christ is worthy. And Christ has died, and so my sins are gone. And Christ lived a perfect life, and that is credited to me. So I come before you with my sins forgiven and clothed in the righteousness of Christ, confident that you accept me, that you smile on me, that you're listening to me. And Lord, I do, I do ask forgiveness for uh, the sins of the day and sins of the week, Lord. And, and I thank you for the cleansing that is mine in Christ. And now I come. And that was how I'd start my prayer for years. I would have to just base, you know, rely, start there. And then I could pray. And so I, I offer that to you. Uh, that is coming right out of this text. And then you can pray, knowing that you're right there in the presence of the Lord, that he is extending mercy. He's offering his grace to help in your time of need. And I'll tell you what, you know what that facilitates? It facilitates relationship with God, personal relationship with God, which is what it's all about. God created us for a relationship. And, but, but if we are running from God, what kind of relationship are we going to have? So let's draw near. So bow your eyes and uh, bow your heads. <laughs> if you can bow your eyes, that's awesome. Bow your eyes, close your whatever. Closing your head. Nope, I give up. We're doing this. Just follow with me. Look at me and follow. So, Lord, right now as Christians, we take advantage of our right to draw near to you. Not because we are righteous. We are not righteous on our own. But Jesus Christ is righteous. And Jesus paid the full penalty for our sins. By his stripes, we are healed. He lived the righteous life we couldn't live, but it's been credited to our account, so we walk 
come into your presence clothed in his righteousness. And then right now, each of us in our own hearts asks for your mercy and your grace. Go ahead and do that. Christ alone, my hope is found.